The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Time to get your weekend started right with the big old bag of mail. We'll get to those questions in a little bit. Reminder, you can add a question to a future mailbag episode by going and leaving us a five-star review. And in that review, put your question for the future mailbag episode. You'll get the hang of it if this is your first time. Uh, But before we do so, a little bit of news from college football that could be very concerning, especially as it pertains to the a team that a lot of people are excited about out in the Pac-12 because uh, Arizona State, according to multiple reports, is being probed by the NCAA for uh, recruiting violations. I, I had a couple levels of reaction to this because the word like NCAA investigation, recruiting violations from the content perspective, gets written about every time. I mean, it's just a buzzy thing. And I've, I've gotten a little bit numb to r- seeing secondary violations, seeing, you know, slap on the wrist, seeing uh, too many text messages. And we don't really clutch our pearls over stuff like that. But the details in some of this reporting around Arizona State suggest that this is a pretty rampant disregard for a lot of the uh, rules that were put in place with the pandemic. So we've got, you know, pandemic-sensitive hotspot. We've got a very, very detailed reporting in terms of what these violations were like. So because it's recruiting, Bud, I'll give you the first crack at this. Is this something where I can look at it and say like, oh, this is fault, group it in with secondary violations, group it in with the kind of things that that we see pop up and it makes more of a headline in the offseason than really has real reverberation? Or do you think that this reported NCAA investigation will really cause some problems for the Arizona State football program? Yeah, I mean, I, with the NCAA, and given that uh, Will Wade is still coaching at, at LSU, I, I never want to say this will cause problems, but in a normal NCAA universe, this will cause problems, right? Like, I know for a fact you had programs out there that were getting told no by the NCAA or getting their hands slapped for having kids come on campus with no contact with coaches and then leading them on guided tours via Skype or FaceTime or whatever, as they walked around campus, which socially distanced with masks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they got told you can't do that, right? They got told you can't, uh, 
you can't make like custom tours for these kids basically uh, as they walk around campus either, even if it's not live. Basically, the NCAA did not want prospects coming on campus. They did not want recruits traveling around during a pandemic. And, you know, you could say that was dumb or smart or whatever. I, I think I'd probably err on the side of caution if I was the NCAA as well. Um, if the allegations in the Yahoo report are true, and apparently there's a dossier of all this stuff that was dropped, Ooh. and there are so many people with access to grind inside the program that they're not sure who dropped this all, all the photos and it's like what 12 pages i think i think it was or six it, multiple pages uh, allegedly had so many kids coming in and out of the program that they didn't like it, they didn't even bother to turn the security cameras off as they met at the back stairwell anymore so there's pictures of kids in the program uh, there were kids who allegedly got flights out out there um, we'll see who paid for those flights this does seem kind of like going 150 in a 75 guys and a lot of times you can go 90 if you go 150, they're going to get the helicopter up. They're going to throw out the spike strips, especially if you're not one of the blue bloods, you know? And, uh, I mean, this could cost people their jobs, potentially all the way up to the AD Ray Anderson, who mm. hired his former client. Remember, he was his agent Yep. Mm-hmm. in, in Herm Edwards. I, I, I hate to see it. I, I like when programs have an opportunity to come up and, and, and do something. Arizona State was making noise on the recruiting trail. Maybe we know why now. <laughs> Well, we can't assume like blatant disregard for all of the rules, right? Like, of course we, not. We, we, we just got to look at this specific thing for right now. I will just tell you, like I talked to a lot of people behind the scenes in college ball recruiting, and I'm not saying that none of them had people come on their campus or maybe go met somebody at a hotel or a restaurant or something like that. I, I could say confidently, I'm pretty sure most programs did not have recruits coming into their building in large numbers to meet with head coaches. Like that just does seem way out of left field. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is going to be interesting to see where this goes, to see what happens of it. And as you mentioned, you know, it's with the detail that they have, like you're, you're alluding to, this is clearly, like you said before the show, coming, this is a call coming from inside the house. There's somebody with an ax to grind within this program. So even if like the NCAA doesn't end up kind of hammering Arizona State for this and everybody keeps their job and we all just kind of move on and get on with our lives, there's still some friction within that program among the people who are working in there, or at least who used to be working in there. Maybe they're not no longer pulling in the same direction. It'll be interesting to see what kind of impact that has on the team. Herm Edwards well, will have a, a fork in the road moment of this portion of his career in terms of how much of this he can control. And then even if, like you mentioned, things just move forward, uh, I got to imagine that it, it very much changes or maybe it doesn't change, but it very much has to color the way that he looks at the responsibilities, the hires that he makes and the relationships that he has with other assistant coaches for uh, for this level of detail to be out there. I mean, isn't this so Tennessee was so much detail that it had to be from somebody who was around there who knew and this is like Arizona State. That's the only way to get caught up in recruiting violations these days because no one's mm-hmm. telling on each other anymore. You've got to like burn a bridge from somebody that was in your house. Exactly. By the way, uh, the deadline to jump into the transfer portal and be eligible for this season is July 1. If you're Arizona State, you're probably wishing this thing had, had delayed for about two more weeks. Uh, we'll see what happens. The last time I remember this happening over a summer was probably Penn State. Remember the summer when like coaches were in Penn State's parking lot because they realized the entire roster was going to be eligible. Yeah, that was that was Tim Beckman and the Illinois assistants. <laughs> he got a lot of crap for that. Yeah. 
<laughs> so if it's, oh, man. do you think that Arizona state, and this is like not something that I would condone because it's bad for the players, but like, does Arizona state try to sit on making any moves as long as possible? Wait this out rather than, uh, make a, make some sort of change. Like if someone's going to lose their job, be it an assistant coach, be it, you know, anywhere else in the university or the football program, do you just wait until after July one? Do you think, so their, their media day is in six weeks, right? Pac 12. Do you guys think Herm Edwards is the coach during uh, media? Do you think Herm Edwards goes to media day? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to say no. yes, but yeah, that's the thing. It's kind of a, it's a weird situation because it, it's clearly if it happened, it's a violation. But it's, it again, they set the rules. Arizona State deliberately either just didn't know the rules, which I find hard to believe with well, this instance of everything being a dead period, or they just didn't care. There's consciousness of guilt because they they knew enough about the rules to wait until compliance people exactly. went home, and they didn't bring their prospects to the building until like nine or ten o'clock at night. They yeah, weren't so. walking, and they went through the back door. Like so, they can't claim ignorance of the rules when. They took evasive, you know, moves to, you know, to do so. So if these allegations did <laughs> take place allegedly, then it's just a willful saying, you know, giving a finger to the rules, and that usually doesn't get looked kindly upon. Herm Edwards gets one. I'm sorry, I didn't know I couldn't do that. He gets one. All right. You know, like if I, I think he could go to Pac-12 Media Day and he could give one, I'm sorry, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And then, you know, he would have to deal with all of those questions and these details that suggest he did know he couldn't do that. But I or think he, he just, gets one. He just goes and does the you play to win the game speech again. And yeah. everybody's like, there's Herb. He's great. Because it's funny you say that about Media Day. And I, I think back to Butch Davis, who went to ACC Media Day like weeks, maybe even days before he ended up losing his job for North Carolina. And I wonder if, you know, some of the thinking for Arizona state is like, well, who we've got to send someone Herm would at least be the best one at being able to answer these questions or be able to face this. If we send some interim coach out there, I mean, how is he going to be able to say that, you know, I wasn't involved with this or how, how is he going to distance himself? And are we just going to throw him to the wolves like that? Like, I think you almost send Herm even if you know you're going to make a move on him just because you don't want to put somebody else through that at that point in the preseason preparation. The, the last two guys who were alleged to have done this, by the way, that I can remember are Joker Phillips, right? Who was like OC at Kentucky, but also he was a receivers coach at Florida. Um, he was photographed with a recruit during the dead period at a restaurant. He uh, resigned. And then Bo Davis resigned after allegedly meeting uh, with multiple uh, recruits during the dead period. This is serious enough to where when it comes out, people lose their jobs, typically. I don't know of a lot of instances where, especially not with multiple recruits, like it's not just accidental. You didn't bump into somebody. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if, if, if the allegations are legit, I think they'll, they'll have a whole new coaching staff. So, so, yeah, there's a pretty good chance that by the time the season starts, Jed Fish will be the most experienced coach <laughs> in Arizona for Pac-12. I mean, yeah. what, a, what an opportunity if you're USC – or Utah, oh, if all of a sudden you're you're looking around and it's so like, all right, let's this got to go get it right now. That's the other aspect of this for me. It's like, 
aside from the NCAA stuff, just the impact on the team potentially, because Arizona State was a team that, you know, is a talented team. and was a team that's going to be interesting in the Pac-12 South. It was a team that could make some noise. And now if the entire like coaching staff is fired in the middle of June or end of June, July, before the season starts, that's going to have a huge impact on the Pac-12. It will. In fact, I gave Tom plus 200 on Arizona State in the South, and I took I know. On, on on April 5th. I just pulled this up on our, our bet sheet. I know. Um, really distraught. Hey, since you've got that up, uh, yeah. this, this is a question that's been hovering around in the mailbag for a while. Uh, it's from Dub 21 uh, You guys do a great job presenting your product. Awesome job. Mailbag question. Can we get an update on Bud's betting slips all the bets you have, you guys have amongst each other, and which bet are you each, each the most confident in? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, I can read off the cover three betting sheet if we'd like. Yeah, I right? think I think that's what he's asked. when he said Bud's betting slip. I think he was talking about our bets against each other. But uh, I, I think your entire list of preseason futures is probably a little lengthy at this point, right? Yeah, I've got about nine. I think I, I uh, yeah. All right, so our betting sheet. Uh, so. I took Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer uh, to not both be coaching uh, by the end of their first contracts at minus 300, and Chip has yes for plus 300. Um, I took, uh, or Tom took Gus Malzahn under three and a half seasons at UCF. Danny uh, took, uh, excuse me, Danny also took under, uh, and that was at plus 100. I think I wrote that down wrong. I have to go back and listen to that show because that doesn't make any sense. Tom, unless, you you're, the under, right? unless you're yeah, playing I the house, took the under. Like, yeah. are you? Yeah, are but you, if I'm playing the house, I'm not giving Tom plus 100 and Danny plus 300. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be pretty pissed off to be quite yeah. honest. <laughs> Tom's gonna storm the window. Uh, on March on March 24th, uh, Wisconsin or the field for the Big Ten West. I took the field at even money. Tom took Wisconsin even money. Danny took the field at even money. Uh, on March 29th, Oklahoma or the field in the Big 12. Bud took the field at plus 300. Danny took the field at plus 300. Tom took Oklahoma and laid the 300. I like how we don't put juice against each other. That's, that's pretty solid. We're not here to make money. <laughs> uh, Arizona State, Pac-12 South champ. Bud field minus 200. Tom, Arizona State plus 200. <laughs> Very relevant for this yeah. conversation topic. Cincinnati to make the playoff. Uh, Tom, no, minus 10,000. Bud, yes, plus 10,000. Denny, yes, plus 10,000. Uh, Michigan or Indiana pole finish. Even money bet here. I have Michigan. Tom has Indiana. Danny has Indiana. Or excuse me, Danny has Indiana. Yeah, excuse Tom me. Allen. Danny Hoosier. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Florida to make the playoff. Uh, Bud, no, at minus 2,000. Danny, yes, at plus 2,000. Uh, Texas win total. Chip, over 9.5, even money. Bud, under 9.5, minus $1.20. Uh, I feel good about that, but obviously we only made it like a month ago, so Chip probably still feels pretty good about Texas. And then Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter, not to both go in the first round. Bud, no, plus 250. Uh, Tom, yes, minus two fifty. It's so only you, one of it's them. It's alternate, right? Yeah, it's yeah. one or the other. Yeah, that is the yeah. the cover three betting sheet. What are you the? Mo- I'm the most confident. I'm the least confident in saddling any f- investment in Shane Beamer and Josh Heupel. I am the most confident in Texas being a ten win team. Okay, I so am. this is interesting. Uh, yeah, Tom, what what do you think? I'm most confident in Cincinnati not making the playoff. <laughs> Well, I would hope so if you're going to lay 10,000. Yeah, that's, that's where all my confidence lies. If Tom loses that, like, I mean, I could lose every bet from here until CBS folds, and, and I'm, I'm still going to be up. Oh, man. What about you, bud? 
most confidently I say, confident. I, I would say Arizona State uh, not to win the Pac-12 South now. It's most confident. That's with this new information. I, I, I right. would have to agree yeah. with you on this. Yeah. All right. Uh, next mailback question. This comes from Wisco. Uh, Arch Manning, assuming he doesn't fall apart in the next couple of years and is still the golden boy that he is currently, if Nick is still coaching, Nick Saban, uh, what is the argument for not going to Tuscaloosa? You'll have the best coach and play with top five position groups in every level of the offense. Oh, and you'll have a defense that the national media doesn't trust but ends up top 10 in SP+. I just don't know how you can turn that down after you've seen what Nick has done with the last three quarterbacks. I'm a Badger fan who is extremely happy with winning the West each year, knowing we might get OSU once every five years. So no, I'm not just a Bama fan. So what is the argument for not going to Alabama if you are Arch Manning? First of all, there are a lot of members of the Alabama media right now who are furious at this guy for calling him Nick instead of Coach Saban. Also, who in the national media is doubting Alabama's defense? Like, is this question sent in 2019? Uh, no, no, but tw- you you are right with that. Like, uh, there there is definitely a lazy uh, approach that has decided that high point totals there and yardage totals that have gone up since the days of 13 points per game and 199 yards per game. They they're just looking at yards per game and points per game, and they're saying that Alabama's defense has fallen off when. Other metrics like SP plus still keep them in the top 10. And you know that that's a national, a lazy national narrative. I'll do it for the sake of the question. Does Alabama even play defense anymore? (laughs) If I'm Arch Manning, the reason why I wouldn't go to Alabama probably has to do with the, like the, you have to go, I mean, whether or not I want to go and be the alpha from day one, right? Is Arch Manning promised to come in and be start as a freshman the way that, uh, who? Bryce Young did it, you know? Tua did it. You, if you want to come in and you want to be the superstar alpha QB1 from the moment you set foot on campus, then yeah, there's other uh, schools that are on that list of contenders for Arch Manning where that would be 100% the situation. I don't think that that's the guarantee at Alabama. So if the question is, why would Arch Manning not go to Alabama? It's because you desire to to step in and, and be the starter from the moment you're on campus. And I don't think that necessarily happens uh, with the Crimson Tide. I, I think there's a lot of other programs you could go to, right? Like obviously Alabama is, is the best program in college football right now. The easy argument I think is the next Saban one. Right, which you know, Arch isn't even going to be in college for another two years. So, you know, how like how long will Nick Saban actually be there? I will say the history of success of coaches over eighty years old, which I think he'll be or over seventy-five, which he'll be on the back half of his contract, is it's pretty limited, right? You have to be kind of an all-time great coach to even be coaching at seventy-five. But like the success of those guys has not been necessarily great. I I'll throw this out. All right, let's let's make a cover three bet on this right now. Arch Manning will wear orange in college. Does anybody want to take the field as far as jersey colors? Is that a Tennessee or Clemson or Texas or Texas? Yeah. So there's no there's no appeal of purple and gold to him or blue and red. No, I don't think so. Okay. So no Ole Miss. 
that's just around I, to that's just me speculating here but I, I i don't think so and is mac too old to get him to north carolina uh i mean if saban could do it i guess mac could right so you're 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 saying clemson texas or tennessee I mean, Illinois. look, I, I don't, I, I don't really give Tennessee a shot here. Personally, See, I don't know where he's going to go. I would probably guess Clemson. I, I, I think there's plenty of reasons to to go back to the question. I think there's plenty of reasons to go to Alabama, but I don't think that, like, that's the only option. Like, I think Clemson's a pretty awesome option too for all the same reasons that Alabama. Like, you're listing Alabama, except. Clemson's got Dabo and Dabo's a little younger, so you can count on him being there probably longer. Although I guess we could say if if Nick Saban retires, maybe Dabo leaves for the Alabama job. But I don't know. I think he probably ends up at Clemson, so I'm not going to really go against you on that bet. But I think there's a lot of good places for Arch Manning to go, especially if like if you're as good as you seemingly are, like he's a five-star quarterback. 24-7's got him as a five-star, other sides have him as a five-star. Like it doesn't really matter where he goes for all that much. He's going to be good. He can go to Oklahoma and get to the NFL. He can go to Alabama. He can go to Clemson. He can go to Notre Dame. He can go to Ohio State. He can go to LSU. He can go to any of the Mississippi schools. He can go to Florida. He'll end up in the NFL either way. If you're going to go to Oklahoma, you need to go somewhere else first. That's the rule. No. (laughs) Spencer Rattler, who's going to lose his job to Caleb Williams, both of them started at Oklahoma. That's true. Caleb Williams, uh, Caleb Williams is uh, the golden boy. How you gonna How you gonna even step in there? I mean, have I, I been? Arch Manning should probably just stop playing QB since he's never gonna live up to Caleb Williams's legacy anywhere. Is uh, have I been like kind of like disjointed for like last five minutes? Um, I mean, my wife is trying to to voice text me and is is coming through like she's an absolute crazy person, and I was like, babe, like is this code or I need to call nine one one? Like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I hope right, it's not. A, I hope it's not a hostage situation right yeah, now. Yeah, no, no, she's cool. Uh, um, I was just really confused by some of this stuff. Um, so, uh, anyway, with 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 Tennessee and Ole Miss, right? I I'm not going to say they have no shot, but I think you know, think about the the offenses that Peyton Manning and Eli ran. They were very traditional pro mm-hmm. style offenses, right? They they translated well to the NFL with with what David Cutcliffe did in college for, for both of them. Um, I do think that that recruitment is being handled in a very like professional manner with the eye of finding the best fit, you know, getting to the NFL. And basically, Ole Miss is not fully Baylor tree. Tennessee basically is now with, with, with the Hypo offense. And I don't know how well those offenses prepare you for the NFL. I think they score a ton of points. I think the NFL is becoming more and more like them as far as adopting elements every year. But A, neither of those programs are going to be competing for national championships anytime in Arch Manning's career. I feel very confident saying that, even if he goes there. So I don't think that, like, I'm sure he wants to go a place he can win. And I don't know that you would go a place you can't win like those schools right now if you're also running an offense that is so dissimilar from what you run in the league. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it just uh, the hash marks? Is that the old, like, uh, yeah. you know, geometry of it? And, <clears throat> and feel free to like explain that to any listeners that maybe haven't, um, you know, brushed up on the, the splits of the wide receivers and sort of where the ball is lined up and the difference between college and pro. 
Yeah, so the hash marks in college are wider. Uh, it, it affects kind of where the ball goes on the hash, which which creates different ways you play coverage to the field, meaning the wide side and the boundary, you know, meaning the, uh, the the short side of the field. If you watch like what UCF did or back what like Baylor did with with Robert Griffin or or uh, any of those other you know, guys, you just seemingly rotated in there and put five million yards up and then didn't you know do a damn thing in the NFL. That there are ways you can kind of scheme points open in college that just don't happen in the NFL because of certain things that are different, including as Chip mentioned, the hash marks. Um, I should get a whiteboard. Well, I mean, it'd be great for youtube.com slash cover three, hit us up for that multi-platform excellence. But it's like the, because they're more centered in the NFL, then there is less space to the field, Mm -hmm. less wide space. And because you're further off and man, those old Baylor wide receivers used to be like a step off the sideline. They, they called it spitting on the sideline. Spit. Yeah. That's it. That was Spit. a term they used. Spitting on the sideline. All right. Speaking of offensive renaissance, this question comes from Sean. Sean, the dog fan, easily one of the best national pods. Miss Barton, RIP, but Bud and podcast Danny have been a great addition. Twitter Danny needs to stay away. <laughs> Question. I know everyone asks if UGA will actually have an offensive renaissance, but I believe it's already happened. Consider the first four years of Smart's tenure only had two 100-yard games for wide receivers. However, last year had three different guys have 100-yard games, Burton, Jackson, and Pickens, and two of them did it twice, Pickens and Jackson. Wasn't last year just the case of the starter opting out and the other quality option being hurt for much of the year, or am I wearing red and black glasses? Tom, go first because there's some vacuuming in the background. Uh, I mean, it's, you can say it started when JT Daniels got healthy. I don't think that posing it as if it's already happened is an accurate statement. It's just what we saw like last year was what we expected last year and but didn't come into the end of the year that's why we spent all offseason we became the georgia pod and we were hyping up the bulldogs was because with todd monkey coming in we thought that that offense was going to be a little bit more in line with what we're seeing from you know other national title contenders where they were going to air it out and give explosive passing plays instead of being the ultra conservative kind of old school you know way that Alabama used to play that Kirby came from and was trying to bring George and just saying, well, we'll outmuscle everybody. We don't have to outplay everybody. So yeah, Jamie Newman opting out kind of put a little halt on that because then you were stuck with Stetson Bennett for a while. But I think once JT Daniels came in, we started to see that transition happen. And I do think we're going to see it more in year two, or at least I'm hoping we see more of it in year two, but no, I don't think you could say the Renaissance has happened. Like the Renaissance didn't happen while Michelangelo was still sculpting David. It wasn't until afterwards. Yeah. It, I think that if Georgia has success this year, you can claim that the groundwork for that success was laid last year. I think if you want to look at Kirby smart favorably, you can say that he recognized what he was doing on offense was not keeping pace with the rest of college football after the 2019 season. And he went out and he brought in Munkin. And I think that's a, a that's probably an honest assessment, right? Like, like he didn't bring in Munkin to keep doing the same stuff. I question how much of that they were actually able to put in last year. They did have problems at, at quarterback. They had some inconsistency across the offensive line, especially early on. Uh, so I, I can definitely see where, the, where the, the, the listener is coming from with this question. Uh, but they're not there yet. They actually have to go out and do it. I agree with Tom. Does wide receiver production, is that a fair um, point 
to use, you know, wide receiver becoming the new sexy position in college football, like looking at it and saying like, man, in four years of Kirby smart, Georgia football, you only had two wide receiver, hundred yard games. That is, I know that there are more advanced explosiveness stats. I realize this and they are available, but is that a, is that a fair thing to circle for the modern offense is what kind of wide receiver production? And maybe you don't need a hundred yard games, especially if you have three guys going for like 95, 85 or whatever. But the idea of wide receiver production as a very simple attainable, you know, measure of explosiveness for fans who aren't necessarily dialed into the more advanced explosiveness stats. Probably a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's, it's interesting, but it also, um, hundred yard games are also dictated by want to in some ways, like stolen bases in baseball, you actually have to try and want to steal bases. And so you have to try and want to throw the football more and earlier on, on early downs and, and more down the field, if you want to have more 100 yard games. So I, if they don't have more this year, then I would probably be a little bit concerned, I guess. Okay. Uh, one more little, while we're just sort of sitting here in the schematic bag, this is from uh, Matt Campbell's burner. Hey guys, the Iowa state, our favorite topic here on cover three, talk about them almost as much as oh, Kansas man. Jayhawks. Hey guys, love the pod. RIP Barton is Matt Campbell, a college football evil genius. In just his second year after losing to Texas, he has John Heacock scrapped the defense it's Heacock, right? I guess. Haycock, Heacock. John Heacock scrapped the defense, and he creates the drop eight to stop the high-powered offenses that are taking over college football. They go on the road the very next week and beat number three Oklahoma with a backup at the helm. Now the drop eight is all over college football, and Iowa State is running a tight end heavy rushing offense. Was this his plan the whole time? Develop a defense to stop explosive offenses that everyone will copy and then run a perfect counter on offense? Seems like a good way to shrink the talent gap that comes with coaching at Iowa State. Thoughts? Hashtag roll clones. Did did Matt Campbell invent the drop eight? No, I think that he was... uh, I I don't think that he invented the drop eight, Tom. I don't think he invented the prevent defense. I think he he invented playing the you know the the, the they, they call it tight right the the yeah. t-i-t-e front where you're basically aligning your, your two five techs on the inside shoulder of the tackles and mm-hmm. he, excuse me he did not invent that front i think that his ios 8 team was one of the early teams to start doing that when they faced spread offenses especially some of these spread option attacks that then forced the ball in the run game to the outside where their, their off ball guys were able to get it. Cause you really have the inside gaps covered up pretty well. If you're in that alignment, um, it's a defense that can limit explosive plays allowed for sure. Uh, and we do know that schools like Brent Venables is on record as having gone out and, and met with, with uh, the Iowa state defensive staff. And they were probably the first ones to do it for the most part in the big 12, I would say. So I, I would give him credit for that. Yeah. Okay. Um, he had the, he like laid out the blueprint. It's like, hey, if you want to be able to limit explosive plays in this conference against these kind of offenses, here's a and when more than half of the conference is running those kinds of spread explosive play type offenses. I thought it was pretty good. That's, that's a, I like the way that that's presented. I don't disagree wholeheartedly, but I don't think he's an evil genius. Unfortunately for them, um, at least last year, and they'll get mad when I say this, but it's still true. Their genius plan to use all these tight ends and run the ball they were 91st in explosiveness, right? So like they may have figured out how to limit everybody else's explosiveness some, but they still had one of the least explosive offenses in the big 12. 
And this is one of the reasons why I'm not that high on Iowa State this year. And you can listen to them on the Around the Clock series on, with 24-7 Sports on the Cover 3 podcast and YouTube. But if they don't get more explosive, they don't have more upside. They cannot – they will not increase their – what they did last year or the year or next year running this type of offense. They have got to find a way to hit more big plays period, because there are other teams that play pitch and catch with the deep ball. And that's what separates the really elite teams right now in the sport. I'm thinking that we should like schedule an Iowa state free week of the pod. They also hate, uh, they also, Iowa fans hate us too, apparently, or at least me. Cause I, I, I cause I'm saying for instead of Ferentz, I guess. Well, is that Jesus true? Is it, it's Ferentz? All right, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's Ferentz like parents. Jeez. I blame ESPN. They only ever talk about the playoff. I was not gonna not gonna not, <laughs> not gonna make the playoff or even be in consideration. And uh, you know, like like under Tom's pr- pr- proposed four team deal, I'll never have to hear about him. So I can only read about Kirk Ferentz, and I don't get I don't get to hear his name pronounced. <laughs> Let's have an Iowa State free week. No disrespect to Iowa State. Just we talk way too much about Iowa State. <laughs> I w- the only thing that might break through is we've got the running back draft coming up, and I would imagine Brees Hall is going to get picked up. No, well, he's but not Brock eligible. Purdy ain't. We'll have a whole quarterback draft without mentioning Iowa State. No, Brock Purdy's State. not a no. You, uh, go ahead. What'd you say? Say something. No, I'm not going to say because I'm, I'm going to get roasted for it. So say it. Off. Say it. I was going to make like a going pro and something other than sports NCAA tagline joke, but I, I do think he'll he'll probably get drafted. Just. You know, it's too big. Not where people thought he was. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's, that, that's too extreme. I don't really believe that. Speaking of the clones, coming up on the other side, if we were to make an entire college football team cloning just one player, and I th- I'm considering this all time. Like, I don't think we're just going 2021, but if you've got a 2021, athleticism sure suggests that there's going to be some options out there. But if you can make an entire college football team of one cloned player, who would it be? Next. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right. This question comes from Joseph. Love the pod. I've been a fan of Bud since his SB Nation days. Me too. And I started listening with the Bill Connolly episode and have been hooked ever since. My question is, if you had to make an entire team of clones of a single current or former college football player, who would you pick? My initial thoughts were an incredible tight end like Kyle Pitts or peak Patriots Gronk or Cam Newton. Once again, love the pod and go doors. Says his name is Joseph. Sounds actually this question's too weird for Barton. He would never step into cloning people. So he doesn't even know who Barton is because he didn't start listening until after Barton was gone. So he didn't even rip Barton or anything. That's true. So this could be former players too. Yes. (laughs) So I've got all right. So the one that came to mind first is somebody who probably is just not quite big enough to also play the defensive line. But I remember during his playing career, I was really dug in on the idea that Leonard Fournette was one of the best football players, like best athletes playing the game of football. I mean, can't, he could throw like tight spiral. You know, he could, he could get out there, he could run. Obviously, he was a f- phenomenal running back. His strength, he was a track star. Like, I'd, there was a lot to Leonard Fournette that had me thinking that he was one of those best, like all around football talents. But if we're going to make an entire roster out of him, I don't think that he meets the size requirements for the de- offensive and defensive line. I, that's that's why this was kind of hard because it's like, I could think of a lot of great players, but it's like, if I'm putting them at every other position, like I'm saying like, okay, well, what team am I going against? Like what player am I going against? If I'm placing another team all made of clones of another player. So that was difficult. So in the end, I decided to go with Hart and I chose Rudy. Rudy Rudiger? Notre no, Dame, Cam Newton. Can you imagine a team full of Rudy's? <laughs> yeah, we, we never give it up as we lose a hundred and four to nothing. <laughs> it's called Bowling Green. <laughs> I mean, that he is the answer. I, I just I just saw Cam this weekend actually at at a seven on. Uh, his team got DQ'd. Because uh, a, a player from Cam's B or C team, or well, they don't call it B or C. It's like Cam Gold, Cam Silver, or whatever. Uh, that jumped in and played with their uh, uh, their their A team. I, I doubt he even knew. Like if you guys have been to a seven on, it's just total chaos on the side. There's like thousands of people out there. Arizona State guys doesn't see any jerseys. problem with it. <laughs> uh, I think Cam Newton's the answer. Like he's the only QB that comes down to these things who just looks like a defensive end with his build. Who is the Alabama A&M or Alabama State offensive tackle who was a former quarterback when when recruited and then got drafted by, I think it was like a first or second round pick? I'm trying to think. Because I, I got to have somebody who's got some size, but somebody who can actually play quarterback. Okay, so um, that was I thought Fournette could play quarterback. I don't know if Miles Jack can throw it, but Miles Jack at least displayed the all-around football athleticism and wherewithal to maybe also be in the mix here. So Titus Has, Howard, yes, Titus Howard would be an interesting one. Uh, what about Gronk? Like, can Gronk throw the ball? Have we seen him do do a trick play? I mean, I'm sure he's tossed beers before, so he could probably throw a football. Like, 
they put him in before for like Hail Mary stuff. So they at least have some uh, belief <laughs> in his ability to cover. Yeah, but I have we, we don't we have reason to suspect his Hail Mary defense though. Wasn't he the one that in that one play he was in the oh, that's right. defense? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Tom took the right answer. It's Cam. Is that it? Yeah. Like, yeah, the it's right answer is Cam. Cam. Like, we can sit here and make an argument for all these it's other players, but Cam Newton's the correct answer because of his quarterback skills and his size. The other guys have size, but not quarterback skills. Right, exactly. Yeah. Derrick Henry? Brian Erlacher is probably the other one I, I would look at. That's a good shout. Yeah, I, I could also, like, if I wanted to run, like, a triple option offense, I can go with, like, Bo Jackson. Yeah, I'm just coming up with, like, running backs and linebackers, and so the answer is the quarterback who's built like a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, all right, this question uh, is about scholarship count. Cover three is the best college football podcast. There is no debate. DK has been a good addition, even as a Miami fan. My question topic is regarding to the transfer portal and the 25 cap scholarship problem. Miami was one of the early schools to dive deep in the portal, aside from Lincoln Riley being the transfer portal guru. My only gripe with the current process is the fact that if you lose a player to the portal, you kiss that scholarship goodbye. And I think it's bad for high school players. Miami will now basically save five scholarships every year solely for transfer portal additions. And that is leaving only 20 scholarships for high school kids. And when you recruit Miami Tri-County, you can actually be turning down prospects who might deserve a scholarship from the hometown school. Do you think teams should gain a scholarship for the current class when they lose a player to the transfer portal? Or maybe there should be a transfer bank where the scholarships go when you lose a player that can then be allowed to allocate to a transfer incoming in the future. Thoughts? So I understand where he's coming from. I hear this gripe from coaches a lot. We are in a major scholarship crunch right now because A, the transfer portal a little bit, but also B, because of the COVID thing. With COVID, in the, the super seniors for the 2021 season do not count against your 85 overall scholarship cap. However, they do count against your, your 85 scholarship cap in future years unless the NCAA passes a rule saying otherwise, which guess what? That ain't happening because then you got to pay for, for all the sports that don't make any money like women's volleyball or men's track or something like that, right? Because Title IX, if you extend one year, then you got to extend everybody else. So that, that's not going to happen. Um, we, that, that is creating a massive crunch. I'm actually working on a story right now. I talked to a director of player personnel this morning at the FCS level, and I asked him, like, how much better of a player are you able to sign this year, you think? And he said, we're going to get power five quality kids this year because there's going to be at least 500 fewer scholarships available to high schoolers. I think it is somewhat difficult to isolate the variable that is the transfer portal compared to, like, how do you separate that out totally from the, the COVID super senior situation you really you really can't um but we have seen this before where a you you can basically oversign i think that not doing this is probably protecting the current players on the roster somewhat at the expense of high schoolers but if you did it you would be helping out high schoolers but really sacrificing up current players on the roster because you know for every coach out there uh who won't kick guys off his team for kind of made up violation of team rules things. There's four or five who absolutely would, if they got to take an extra scholarship, especially if you're a newer coach and you come in and you didn't recruit these kids and you want to boot them. So I have thought about this a little bit. The one thing I I might be interested in because it's more of a long-term solution is that if you lose somebody to the portal, 
maybe you could get an extra one or something. Not in the, not in the class you're just about to sign, but maybe in the next class. That way you don't, you're not quite as tempted to be kicking off kids for immediate gratification and, and, and fill in roles. Uh, I think that could curve it a little bit, but somebody's going to lose here until we get out of, of the COVID situation. And then I don't know, I think between 24 and 28, which is a long time out in the future, we'll have a decent sample set of what it looks like without the COVID ramifications. And it will be just purely transfer portal. But until then, I have a hard time parsing the data to really drill down on exactly what's COVID and exactly what's transfer. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. Does that make sense? Like I know it's <laughs> no, kind of no, in the it weeds, makes, but it makes total sense. Well, I mean, it's it's in the weeds, but it's what our it's what our listeners are thinking about too. You know, as they're sitting there trying to understand this. And you, I know that you had mentioned um, the trickle down effect at the recruiting level, which you know feeds right into that answer that you got from the FCS director of player personnel. But the the, the COVID aspect to this with the super seniors and only one extra year when some some programs and some schools would like to do it, but it's not going to get passed at the NCAA level. Um, I, I do not envy our good friend Barton Simmons, general managers and player personnel guys who, who have to take a lot into consideration as things uh, really start to tighten up in terms of the numbers game here in just a little bit. All right. And, and I don't know if Vanderbilt's going to have that same scholarship crunch that some schools will, you know, but yeah, if they do, then then Barton's going to have a choice because the NCAA guarantees that you get that extra year. They don't guarantee you get it here, right? They, they, they guarantee mm-hmm. that you, you have an extra year of eligibility if some school will take you. Mm. Uh, let's, right, let's do one more. Uh, this is from Jay Fish. Love the pod. You guys all have great banter and have made the COVID shutdowns a little easier. Can Gus make UCF an annual contender for the New Year's Six? And could you settle a dispute? Okay, so first, can Gus make UCF an annual contender? All right. Part number two, is the Big 12 still a Power 5 conference without Oklahoma and or Texas? Okay, so the first part, just to, for clarification before Tom goes, is this an annual contender to make the BCS or make the New Year's Six Bowls, you said? Yeah, I mean, to be the highest, yeah, to be uh, annual contender for the New Year's Six, which to me, like... They already are. That Right. Uh, to me, it's yeah. like you are, like you wake up in the morning, you're UCF, you are a uh, one of the top two or three contenders for the American Athletic Conference, and the strength of the American Athletic Conference means that if you're a conference champion, you're a contender for the New Year's Six. Can he make them? Yes, because they yes. are. And they I don't, are. I do not suspect that things are going to crater under Gus Malzahn's leadership, given his like extensive and pretty good, you know, track record of being able to run a power program in a difficult conference. All right. Second part is the big 12 still a power conference without Oklahoma and or Texas. No, both of them. Definitely not. Both of them. Definitely not. One of them. Probably not. I mean, they might still be one, but I don't think anybody would consider them. I mean, if you take out, if you take out Texas, then the check that you get for your media rights deal that is distributed to each one of these is a lot closer to the group of five than it is to the power five. Yeah. Like if thing. you were building a league, would you rather have Iowa State or UCF? UCF. 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 No doubt. Would you rather have UCF or TCU? UCF. UCF. Would you rather have Cincinnati or Oklahoma State? Cincinnati. I agree. 
it's a two team league at the top. If the, that, that's what like we we did this. Like go back to the blog. <laughs> go back to the blogosphere days, Chip. You remember yeah. all the all the traffic, but like people are like, oh, you're sensationalist. I'm like, no. If they go to the Pac-12, Oklahoma, Texas, Bolt, that league is done. Yeah. No, without a doubt. That was why they were trying to uh, they were trying to steal Florida State and Clemson. All right, M- M- Memphis or Texas Tech? Memphis. Texas Tech. No, 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 no. I'll take Texas Tech in that yeah. one. All right. Memphis in I his mean, current Memphis in his current form, I think deludes yeah, but, us into what like Memphis was for a long time. Yeah, but if I'm starting a league and I'm trying to make money to be a power five conference, do I want the Lubbock, Texas market or the Memphis, Tennessee market? Hmm. Because that's the, other thing that's is, the part is, is Texas like, Tech still going to have the money that, that they have now if those two schools yeah. are gone. You're not a Power 5 conference if you're not getting the money to be one. I don't know, man. They've got AT&T. That, the Texas Tech 5G Raiders will still be able to find a way to get dough. Yeah, they're controlling your mind, see? Yeah. It's 5G for you. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Big 12, if it loses both Oklahoma and Texas and Maybe if it loses one, I would probably say Texas ahead of Oklahoma, but that's just for like financials, not competitive reasons. But without those, without the two Red River rivals, Big 12 is not a power conference. I don't think so, no. I don't think so either. Next week, we we just like, it started as something that we, um, you know, we're, it was the long COVID off season. We were trying to come up with some good content ideas and, and we had some things that really, really hit with the audience. And so, you know, even though we've got, you know, win totals coming up less than a month from now, we're going to start rolling out our full win total series, win totals locks at the end of it. Boys, we got to do some drafting. So that's right. The quarterback drafts, building out your quarterback room with the 2021 quarterbacks. This isn't all-time stuff. This is a way that we are looking at the best players at different positions on the field. Quarterback draft coming up next week. Get your draft boards together. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure that you're paying attention to the Cover 3 podcast feed. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, And that also on Spotify and on YouTube, we've got playlists of all the the around-the-clock series. So, and Bud, you mentioned this. I think it was on the Iowa State. That's reference number five here. I think on the Iowa State around the clock, you mentioned that it could be something that you just save for like July or August. You know, just like bookmark that thing. And then when you've got like a long trip or you're going to the beach or you're working on a project, I mean, you can knock out like four or five previews in a row. I mean, it's better than any magazine because you don't need to hold it. Got it just playing on your speakers or in your AirPods. So uh, these around That's the clock why I try series. to keep them so short. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like, let, let, let's go 15, 18 minutes. We, we, none of these have gone 30, I, I, I don't think. That way, like, if you're a guy with an hour commute, you can rip off an entire division or maybe even a conference because we're not doing these for every, every team in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, like, that's it, it's a good little preview time. So be sure to uh, to take advantage of that or at least bookmark it for later. Uh, those around the clock series, they have playlists on both YouTube and Spotify. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. All right.
explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.